What's up, church? How you guys doing this morning? Okay, all right. I hear you. All right, second service. That uh, never happens from you guys, but uh, we'll roll with that. Um, hey, this morning we're starting a brand new series called Rough Crowd. I'm super pumped. Uh, for the next seven to eight weeks or so, uh, we as a church family together, we're going to walk through the life of a man named Joseph. Now, this isn't your uh, Christmas Joseph with Mary and the baby Jesus and the manger and shepherds and wise men and all that type of thing. Um, this is actually a Joseph who lived 2,000 years before that Joseph uh, was even born. And what we're going to see is uh, we're going to watch how God uses really the most improbable person um, to do really, really big things. And it's going to be a reminder for us that uh, no matter what we've done in our life, no matter what our life looks like in the current situation, no matter, you know, no matter where we're at and all the bad things that have happened to us or all the bad things that are happening in our life, maybe even right now, that God wants to use us in big, big ways. And if we're not dead, the honest truth is God's not done with us. And so uh, what I want to do is encourage you guys to be here for the next like to commit being here for the next eight weeks. I know that's a long time. I know some of you guys are like, uh, I think, you know. All right, just do it. All right, be here for the next eight weeks um, as we walk through this story together. Again, this is a story that we're going to be building off of each and every week. And so I uh, don't want you to get behind on that. Also, what I also want to encourage you guys to do is to get out your dusty Bible at home and read it for yourself. Okay, that's something, those of us who are Christians... Um, it should matter to us like what God says. Like if we believe God is real, we believe God loves us and cares for us and has given us a way that we should live our life, like it should matter to us what that, what that is. And so uh, you should be reading your Bible on your own, probably like even on a daily basis. Like that should matter to you. And so just want to encourage you. Uh, some of you guys, I think a lot of people are like, well, I don't know even like where to start. Like what do I do? I don't know if I'm going to understand it or whatever. Uh, start you know, for this series, for the next eight weeks, why don't you start with just reading the first page of the first book of the Bible, which is Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Just start there, and you'll be able to read through Genesis throughout the next eight weeks um, if you do it on a regular basis. It's not too long. Um, and so just want to encourage you to do that. Uh, if you start doing that, uh, you'll be reading about creation. You'll be reading about how God creates mankind. You'll, you'll read about real quick how mankind chose to rebel against God. And things just get bad and things then get worse quickly. And it's just constant, um, all of this rebelling against God. If you keep reading, uh, it won't take you long until you get to a guy named Abraham. Now Abraham, this is where actually our story begins. God uh, has an issue uh, because all of us... Uh, are, are sinners and every, you know, mankind, like we constantly rebel against him and God loves us. And so what he does is uh, 4,000 years ago, he goes and he picks out one man out of the, all the people living on earth and he promises to this man, this is Abraham, he says, hey, through you, I'm going to fix this whole sin problem. Through you, I'm going to fix this whole rebellion issue where I can have a relationship with the people that I created, like how I exact, exactly really how he, how he created us to be and how we were meant to be. And so he promises that he's going to, th through him, he's going to save the world and rescue the world, who, by the way, what, Jesus, or what God was pointing to 2,000 years before was Jesus, uh, who came 2,000 years ago, hence the 4,000 years. And so he's pointing to Jesus saying, hey, Jesus is going to fix all of this. Not only does he promise to 
that through Abraham's offspring that he is going to rescue the world, he also promises that he's going to turn Abraham's offspring really into a really large nation. Now, with this promise, there's a, there's a problem. That is, Abraham has no kids, okay? So pretty hard to produce a nation out of somebody who doesn't have any kids. Not only does Abraham not have any children, but he also is super old. And so Abraham, he hears this, and even his wife kind of laughs at God one time when he's telling them about this, and uh, like, this is impossible. And so Abraham, he, he doesn't know how it's going to work out. He doesn't know what's going to happen. He doesn't know what necessarily God means through any of this, but Abraham, to his credit, believes God anyway. And so they got to wait a while, but eventually Abraham and his wife Sarah have a son named Isaac. And uh, Isaac, he gets married to a, to a lady named Rebecca, and Isaac ends up having two kids, actually twins. One is named Esau, the older one, and then, uh, and then Jacob. And Jacob, um, it, it, these two guys, we're going to find out is there's a lot of competition in the family. And uh, as we look at this family right here, this doesn't look much like a nation, right? I mean, it, it doesn't. It doesn't even look much like a family. But things begin to pick, uh, pick up steam when Jacob has children. He actually has 12 sons, all right? So things pick up steam quickly, one to two to 12. And so um, when this happens, uh, we can understand that, yeah, sure, by looking at this, we can totally get that a few generations later, as his 12 sons have children, and they have children, and they have children, that sure, yeah, you would understand that they would eventually, you know, start looking really a lot like a small nation, especially by ancient standards. And so that's exactly what happens. These 12 sons would end up becoming the 12 different tribes of Israel. Now, out of the 12 sons that, uh, that Jacob has, um, I'm sure he loves them all to varying degrees, it sounds like. But there is one son that he loves even more, and that is second from the youngest. I think I said that right. Second from the youngest? Yeah, second from the youngest. And that is uh, where Joseph comes into the story. Now, uh, today what we're going to do is I want to introduce you to 17-year-old Joseph, and uh, we are going to be introduced really to the family situation that he was born in. And what we're going to find is that uh, Joseph's family is far from ideal, just like a lot of our families are very far from ideal. Now, most of us, I think we have this, I don't know, this is from like watching movies or um, you know, back when we were kids, we kind of developed this idea of like the ideal family, and I think that kind of carries with us. And it's interesting that, you know, maybe it's because we're all in the same culture or whatever, they all pretty much look the same. Like if you were to compare your ideal family with somebody else's ideal family, it's like basically the same, although there's differences because we're, we're different. And, uh, and it seems like a lot of us, for our ideal, our, our ideal family, it's like, you know, we... Uh, we we, and we come up with this when we're like children. It's like, you know, someday I'm going to have love at first sight. It's going to be perfect. We're going to date a little while. Then we're going to get married. Then we're going to have two really, really good careers. And we're both going to be making so much good money. We'll be able to do whatever we want to do. We'll, uh, we'll be able to go on the vacations that we want. We'll get the car that we want. We'll be able to buy the perfect house. It's got the little perfect 
perfect fence in a couple years, you know, after we've enjoyed each other's company for a certain amount of time, then we will uh, be able to have children and we'll have babies and we'll have them perfectly spaced out where there's no surprises, whatever that means to you. And, uh, and maybe for you, it's like, you know, you're like kind of under the traditional family lens. You're like, yeah, that's what I want. And, you know, maybe the wife doesn't, she doesn't have to go to work and she can stay home because the husband's making so much money. And when the husband walks in through the door, he says, honey, I'm home. And the wife is so happy. Happy to see your husband, and all the kids come running up, and they play with dad, and like it's just this idea that we have, and uh, then you have the home-cooked meal with the whole family together every single night, and you ask the kids how their day of school went, and they tell you every little detail that you wanted to know, and then, the, then you're advancing in your careers, the kids grow up, they're playing outside with the dog and your neighborhood they, and their neighborhood friends who you actually like, and then they date people who you actually approve of, and then they graduate high school, go to college, get a spouse, have grandkids, and that you get to see often but not too often, you know what I mean? And then the last 30 years, you live your life retired, living it up, doing whatever hobbies you want to pick up in your retirement, golfing, model trains, you know, gardening, I don't know, I was just trying to think of like what retired people do, bake, okay, you know, not picking on anybody in here, but, uh, and then maybe you're out in the country and all you do is like walk your land and basically you're just living your life, the ending of your life, soaking it up in the hot tub with your soulmate, you know, like that's like your idea of, like that's the ideal family right there, but uh, the thing about that is that's ideal, sure, maybe, or some variation of that, of course it's not going to be just that way, but, uh, but that's not real, right, like none of us have, if if we're honest with ourselves, none of us have the ideal family. We have a real family. And so what's that look like? Well, the reality is we get married, we're struggling by to get, we're struggling to get by financially, our house is falling apart, the car's making the funny noise again, uh, the child that you, you know, you have the child that you weren't expecting, or maybe it's the opposite of that, maybe you're, you're expecting a child that doesn't ever seem to really come, you have no time, because the kids that you have, they're super busy, your family is always late to everything, uh, maybe it's like, you know, you and your spouse, is just, things just aren't working out, and, and you guys just, just kind of grown apart, part of it by the way, is because of the busyness in your life. And so you get a divorce, and you got family members who are driving you crazy. And after running the gauntlet of, of life and being overworked throughout life, then you finally hit retirement age. You still got a kid in the basement that you're trying to get up on their feet. And you think to yourself, you're like, I will never be able to retire at this rate. Like, I can't afford to retire, like, ever. And yes, we all have been there. Like, like we all enjoy parts of of our life, but there's also parts of our family life that are just like, let's be honest, it's complicated. Like it's just, it's real. Joseph can totally relate to you, 100%. That's where our story begins. Uh, Genesis chapter 37, verse one, it says Jacob, so that's Joseph's dad, uh, lived in the land where his father, who was Isaac, Uh, had stayed the land of Canaan. It says, these are the family records of Jacob. And at 17 years of age, Joseph, he tended the sheep with his brothers. It says, the young man was working with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpha. All right, not great names, okay, in my opinion. Um, It says, his father's 
wives. Now, here's what we see right off the bat, like right out of the gate, we see that Joseph did not live in a, um, let's say, traditional uh, family structure, okay? We see that right with, you know, father's wives um, is a dead giveaway. Not an ideal family right out of the bat. Um, Just like our families, by the way, this family was super messed up and had their own set of problems. Um, And actually, many of the problems that this family has, it actually stems from their past, uh, basically from problems that happened in the past. Actually, problems that happened in Jacob's life when Jacob was Joseph's age. When Jacob was Joseph's age, check this out. Jacob tricked his, his dad, uh, Isaac, into giving him the family fortune. That quickly fell apart, and his twin brother tries to murder him, and so Jacob has to run for his life where he never, ever gets to see his mother or his father ever again. Um, he goes and he lives with his uncle who then cheated him and tricked Joseph into marrying his daughter, which happened to be Joseph's cousin. All right, that's not cool. And then Joseph married his other cousin. And so at this point, Joseph, he has two wives, which is a bad idea. And by the way, I think two wives, he, doesn't, he didn't just marry just two wives. Um, he married two wives that are sisters, which I think we can all agree is a really, really bad idea. And, uh, and you got Leah and Rachel, and both of them are just in constant competition, um, competing for, for Jacob's affection. And both of them have an issue is that they both have problems getting pregnant. Now, back then, this was a big deal because in their culture, I mean, you wanted to have kids. You wanted to have offspring. That's how you, um, you know, carried on your name, and, uh, and you wanted to have big families. And so what Leah and Rachel end up doing is they both give uh, Jacob, one of their servant girls, to sleep with, and the servant girls will have children in place of the wife is what their plan is, and then they can raise those, their servant girl's children as their own. And so Jacob has these two wives with an additional two other ladies, and so in a sense, he's kind of got like four wives that he's dealing with. I mean, not an ideal situation, not a good situation at all. And not only does he have four wives, but he also specifically has a favorite wife. By the way, if you have a favorite wife, I'm telling you, you already got problems, okay? It's the thing. And so the wives are always competing with each other for Jacob's attention, but also the children are always competing with each other for Jacob's attention. And in fact, their family situation gets even worse. Uh, just before this situation that we're going to be looking at today, one of Jacob's sons sleeps with his stepmom. Okay, that's not good. Uh, one of Jacob's daughters then gets raped by a guy from a nearby town. And so uh, two of her full blood brothers go and murder every man in that town. I mean, it is just a mess. Like, you thought your family was messed up? This family is messed up, like, legitimately. And so this is the family that Jacob, or not, this is Jacob, but this is the family that Joseph has surrounded himself. This is the family that he is born into. Not good. And so 17-year-old Joseph, he's out, the story tells us, with his older brothers, and um, he brought a bad report about them to their father, all right? Which, by the way, his older brothers aren't super excited about. They're not a fan of that, as you can imagine. I mean, again, you got a bunch of older brothers, you got a bunch of brothers, you know, and they're away from dad, and uh, they're doing bad stuff. Like, that's just what kids do. 
and uh, and I'm sure they had a pact. Like every you know family has a little pact, especially with brothers. Like you know what happens in the field stays in the field. Okay, you don't tell dad, you don't tell mom, and we're all good. We don't have to you know let's let's do that. And so um, instead, Joseph he doesn't go with the pact, right? What's he do? He when he sees something that shouldn't be happening, he goes straight to his dad and tattles on him. And these guys hate it, and uh, and they're not a fan of that. Not only that. But it says that now Israel, that's just another word for Jacob, um, Jacob loved Joseph more. You think that caused any issues within the family structure? Twelve sons, right? Jacob loved Joseph more. He, Joseph is Jacob's favorite and because what we're going to find is that he is born from his favorite wife. It says, he loved Joseph more than his other sons because Joseph was a son born to him in his old age from his favorite wife. This favoritism that we see within this family um, is something that runs in the family, let's say that. It's kind of interesting. Um, if you look back on Jacob's life, okay, so the dad's life, and when he was a kid, what you find is that Isaac, his dad, had two sons. You got Esau and you got, you got Jacob. And um, Isaac really, really, really liked Esau, okay? He favored Esau. He loved Esau more because Esau was kind of a man's man. And he was a hunter and, and he was a hairy guy, a big guy, and just kind of a, you know, just kind of guy that, that a dad might even, in a sense, gravitate towards. And, and, and Jacob was kind of the opposite. I mean, Jacob was like working in the tents, you know, that was his. And he hung out with his mom a lot. And his mom favored him a lot more. And so you have this favoritism that Jacob grows up with. And I'm just assuming this. I mean, we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But I think it's safe to assume that that hurt Jacob, right? Knowing that his dad loved Esau, his brother, more than he loved him. I mean, I'm sure, and, and maybe even you and your family, as you look back and you're like, yeah, I, I totally understand what that feels like. Maybe you had to go through something similar like that. Maybe you have a mixed family and it's just like, you know, you have a stepmom or stepdad and, and, you know, just that type of thing happens even here today. But what's interesting to me is we, here we see Jacob treating his wives and his sons the exact same way that his father and his mother treated them. Which is interesting to me because um, I think a lot of us, you know, even when we're kids, we see things that our parents do, and our parents aren't perfect, okay? None of us, I'm not a perfect parent, and our, my parents weren't perfect, and none of us are perfect, obviously, we know that. Um, but we see things that our parents do or that our parents maybe have done in the past, and we're like, hey, that's not good, okay? Even, I'm, even I, as a kid, I know that's not the way to do things. And even a lot of us, I think we vow to ourselves, like, I will never do that, Mom. I will never do what you did to me, Dad, you know, stuff like that. And then what ends up happening? A lot of times... What you see in our society is we end up treating our family the exact same way that we hated to be treated by our parents. We treat our kids the exact same way that we hated when we were kids. And it's just kind of the cycle within a family. That's what we see here within Jacob and Joseph's family, specifically when it comes to favoritism. And it causes so much heartache and it causes so much pain within this family. See, that's what favoritism does, by the way. This is what it does. It ruins relationships, especially relationships within the family. And as Christians, by the way, did you know this? Uh, as Christians, God tells us not to show favoritism within the family. Right? God's like, hey, don't do that. God also says, actually, God broadens that. We see this in the New Testament. It's not just, hey, don't show favoritism in the family. It's more than that. It's like, hey, don't show favoritism within the community. 
All right, be fair to everybody, meaning value everybody the same, no matter what their background or what's going on in their life, value everybody the same. And we see this in James chapter one or two, verse one. He says, my brothers and sisters, this is God talking to us. Hey, do not show favoritism. Right, pretty like easy. Like it's, 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 it's um, pretty clear here. And so here in Joseph's family, this favoritism, it fuels dysfunction. It completely messes up this entire family. Now, as I was thinking about this, and the Bible doesn't, isn't necessarily clear on, um, like, I don't know if Jacob is clueless. Like, maybe he is, right? Maybe he, he loves Jacob, or he loves Joseph more, but, you know, he doesn't know that he, like, hides it or whatever. He doesn't know that everybody knows, and no one wants to talk about it with him because it's embarrassing, and, you know, it's just awkward. And so um, he thinks he's all good, but, but you know, but everybody has, everybody knows. Um, or maybe he just didn't care what the other brothers thought, what his other sons thought about it. Because it's interesting here, it didn't, he didn't seem to hide his favoritism. By the way, let me just say, if you have a bunch of kids and you like one of the best, best thing to do, keep that between you and God, and uh, that will save you a bunch of counseling bills in the future, okay? It just will. Because uh, it causes issues, and it causes problems. You got to treat everybody the same, is what the Bible tells us. So, uh, it says, because Jacob loved Joseph more, his, his other, more than his other sons, uh, because Joseph was a son born to him in his old age, and because of that, he made Joseph a long sleeve robe for him. Now, when I read this, uh, originally I'm like, man, long sleeve robe, and my dad made me some long sleeve shirt. Not interested. Like, I'll be honest. Like, thanks, Dad. Appreciate it. It's the thought that counts, I guess, but there's no way I'm wearing anything that my dad handmade. Like, I'm just not doing that. Um, but, you know, it sounds like something like your, no offense, grandmas, but something your grandma would make for you for Christmas and give it to you. You're like, thanks. We'll put that in the ugly sweater pile. You know, that type of thing. Um, but anyway, it's, you know, it, like, this, to us, it's hard for us to see this as, like, a big deal. But back then, it was actually a big deal. Uh, back then, this would have been something that was like tailor-made for Joseph. Uh, so it would have been expensive. It also would have been something that his other brothers didn't have. And it would have been something that is not, it's not something that you wear when you're out doing manual labor, which is what they did. This is like inside clothes. Okay, picture this as like a really nice tailor-made suit, not something, again, that you go out in the fields and work. And uh, this is something a supervisor would wear as he's leading back, you know, underneath the shade, drinking his cup of coffee, saying, hey, you, get to work. Hey, no breaks. You know, that type of thing. That's Joseph. And so really what his dad is doing here is he's like promoting Joseph to like um, Jacob's, per, you know, dad's personal assistant. And so to make sure everything gets done, to, to run the family business, it'd be like, like, think about it this way. It'd be like you, um, you're sitting around the Christmas tree with all your kids on Christmas Day, and they all open up. You give them all an Etch-a-Sketch, okay, which I don't, you know, some of you guys might not even know what that is, um, some of you kids. But let's say you, you give them one of those, and then one of your kids, you give them, like, the newest iPad. It'd be like that. That's, like, the difference here. And they're all like, what am I doing with these knobs? And they're, you know, the other person's like, oh, sweet, you know, that type of thing. That's what's going on. I'm guessing that wouldn't go over too well at your house. Like, I don't know your family, but I'm just assuming, you know, your kids aren't, like, super excited about that, except for the one. And so really what this did is this, this robe or this shirt or whatever, it screamed number one son. 
Like, Joseph's the guy who's, again, 17-year-old kid. He goes up to the dinner table while everybody's getting there, family dinner, getting ready to eat. And he's wearing his number one sun shirt. And he's like, hey, where's your number one sun shirt? Oh, yeah, that's right. You don't have one because I'm dad's favorite. Sweet. Okay. Just wanted to make sure you saw that I'm wearing this, that type of thing. And it's just, you know, it's just not a good thing. It's not going over really well. And, uh, and of course, what would we expect from the brothers? It says, when his brothers saw that their father loved Joseph more than all the other brothers, than all the other 11 guys, it says they hated him. Which, by the way, is wrong. I think we can all agree with that. But I think probably every single one of us in this room, we can at least relate to it a little bit. We can all go, I understand why. That's messed up. They hated him. And they could not bring themselves to speak peaceably to him. Does that sound like anybody's family? Does that sound like your family? You guys just can't, like, even talk to each other nice? You know, like, like maybe your family, obviously, you know, probably isn't as bad as what's going on here. But, uh, but it's just like every time you talk to each other, every time the kids talk to each other, it's just they can't talk to each other nice. They can't have a normal, like, courteous conversation. That's what's going on in this situation. They just can't get along. And we look at this and we're like, I, I, we understand why. Like, of course they hated him. It's like the natural human reaction. It's the wrong reaction, but it's natural because they're jealous because their dad likes Joseph better and everybody knows it. By the way, parents, let me just say this. Um, kids can sniff out favoritism and unfairness like a mile away, okay? Like they just do. And so it's something that we as parents need to watch out for. Not that we love one more than the other, but that we favor one or that we're unfair to our children. Like they can sniff that out. So we gotta, we gotta focus on that um, as parents. But that's what's going on here. And so wherever Joseph goes, he's wearing his number one son's shirt. And if you were to ask his brothers, hey, um, you know, what do you think about your little brother, Joseph? You know, every single one of them would just say, flat out, I hate him. I hate that guy. I can't stand being around him. They can't even speak to him. Can't even talk to him. Since hate it stems from a situation that's manufactured either intentional or unintentionally by their father, Jacob. And Joseph doesn't help things. Joseph seems super self-absorbed. This is what happens next. It says, then Joseph had a dream, okay? Uh, when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. All right, so here, they already hate him. Now they hate him even more because of this dream. And so this is how the dream goes. It says, so Joseph told them, he says, hey, listen to this dream I had. So can you picture this? Like, I want you to be able to picture this in your minds. They're out in the fields. They're doing whatever they do. Joseph's wearing his suit. He walks up. He's making sure everything is running the way it should be. Again, this is the second to youngest kid. And, uh, and he has this dream the night before, and he kind of gathers his brothers around. He's like, hey, guys, I just wanted to let you know, um, I had this sweet dream last night. Let me tell you about it. I think you guys might find this interesting. He says, there we were. He says, binding sheaves of grain. Now, sheaves, by the way, because that's a weird word, and we don't work with sheaves anymore. At least I don't. Um, that's where you, like, pick the grain, you know, by the stalks, and then you wrap them all together, and you got, like, a sheaf. Okay, if you've been down to Amish country or whatever, you've seen these kind of, like, out in the field. And, uh, and so that's what they had. He's like, we were binding sheaves of grain, which is kind of weird because I'm wearing my suit, and I'm not supposed to be doing manual labor. But here I was. I was helping you guys out by binding sheaves of grain in my dream. Crazy. He says, suddenly my sheaf, which was just laying there, it just stood up, you know, 
and uh, your sheeps kind of gathered around my sheep, and uh, they all bowed down to my sheep. Sweet dream, right? You know, picture that. That's what's going on here. And, and his brothers, I mean, as you can imagine, they're not happy with this. Um, I don't know if he had some bad tacos the night before, but like that's a weird dream. And that's and probably not something you should share. Uh, as I was reading about this and kind of studying into this this week, I'm like, okay, I don't really want to know what the dream means. I think I, you know, we all will understand as, we, as the story carries on. But what bothered me is why did he say it? Why did he tell them about the dream? Like it just seems kind of a, a jerk thing to do. And as I was reading, there's a lot of commentators, not all of them but by far, maybe, but, but some commentators that are just like, well, they think that he's being super innocent, that he's just trying to like get some advice and, and, and that type of thing. But uh, I had younger siblings, okay? And I think Joseph is do, knows exactly what he's doing. Uh, he, these guys, his brothers, have already been hurt uh, about the number one son coat that Joseph's wearing around everywhere and that his dad loves him more. And uh, I think Joseph, like, to be completely honest at this point, I think Joseph's just your average, snobby, uh, spoiled little punk bro. Like, that's, that's what he is. And tattletale guy, even. And, uh, and if you have younger siblings, like, you know exactly how that goes. Okay? Like, what happens? Okay? Your little, how many of you guys had younger siblings? Okay. All right. So you guys all can relate to me. Um, I was the oldest. And so, yeah. And so what happens, right, when you're a kid? They come up and, like, hit you. And so you're the older kid. You punch them back. You know, it always escalates a little bit. And then what happens? You're the one who gets caught. And then mom comes up to you, and she's, and she's yelling at you, and the, but you're trying to explain. You're like, whoa, 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 they started it. They hit me first. And then you get in trouble for arguing, which then you're getting even more in trouble. And then what's going on behind mom? You got your punk little brother and sister standing by there with their dumb, you know, jerk little smirk on their face. And they know exactly what they're doing, okay? They know exactly. I think Joseph is doing the exact same thing. He knows what he's doing. He knows that he makes the decision to tell his older brothers, who, by the way, already hate him, can't even talk to him about a dream where all their stuff bow down, bows down to his stuff. And basically this dream, he's basically saying, hey, I just want to let you know, um, I have this dream that I'm awesome and, uh, and you're not and someday you're going to bow down and worship me. So just want to kind of give you the heads up that that's going to happen someday as he's wearing his suit. You know, it just really ticks them off. And of course, the brother's reaction is, are you serious? Are you kidding me? He says, are you really going to reign over us? His brothers asked him. Are you really going to rule us? So they hated him. By the way, this is the third time we see this word. They hated him even more because of his dream and what he had said. So his brothers are ticked. And then matters get even worse. Guess what? Then he had another dream. A couple days later maybe. We don't know how long. And probably not that far after. It says, and then he told it to his brothers. Now, did he have to tell them? Nah. He chose to tell them. All right, that's why I think he's a jerk um, at this point. He says, hey, guys, guess what? As he's wearing his suit, they're out in the field working their thing. He's, making, he's got his clipboard or whatever. I saw that, you know, writing that down. Dad will be talking to you later. That type of thing. And uh, he says, hey, guys, look, hey, why don't you guys gather around? Uh, got, I've got another dream. got another story to tell you. He says, I had another dream. So crazy. He says, and this time the sun, the moon, and the 11, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. Now, as he's talking to this, he's probably, you know, he's like, 
you know, isn't it kind of weird? I counted. There were 11 stars. What do I have 11 of? <laughs> oh, yeah, you. <laughs> I have 11 brothers. How weird. All right, what are the odds? And he's like, and, and so he tells the 11 stars, and they were all bowing down to me. So this dream's a little bit different. It's even a little bit more intense. Um, it's uh, not only, uh, you know, it's not that their stuff is bowing down to his stuff. It's they're bowing down to him. And so it seems like the whole universe is revolving around little old 17-year-old teenager uh, Joseph. And the universe all bows down to him. And so not only does he tell his brothers this, but he also told his father. And his father rebuked him. His father's like, are you kidding me? I mean, just, dads, picture this. And moms, whatever. All right, picture this. Your, one of your kids comes up to you. And uh, tomorrow morning it says, hey, mom, just want to let you know I had a dream that uh, you were bowing down to me. That going to go over well? Right? Like that's, that's not like a great, like, okay. All right. And they're like, so I just want to let you know that's going to happen someday. You know, it, it, his dad, Jacob's just like, are you serious? Right? You think I'm going to bow down to you? I'm the one who pays the bills around here, not you. I'm the one who runs things, not you. He says, what kind of dream is this that you've had? He says, am I and your mother and your brothers really going to come down and bow down to the ground before you, Joseph? I don't think so. And his brothers were jealous of him, which we understand. But his father, he didn't like it. And it sure seems like he took offense to this. But he, his father kept the matter in mind. He didn't forget. See, the story... It starts off with a dysfunctional family that has a bunch of problems. And as you work your way through just the first 11 verses, that's all we're going to do today. Just the first 11 verses, I mean, what, what happens? It just gets worse and worse and worse. Like, it doesn't get any, any better here. And it's just a messed up family. I mean, everybody's messed up. You got Jacob, he's got problems. His wife's got problems. His son's got problems. Even Joseph, he's just a punk. Like, he's got his own problems. And what we will see is that God is going to use this 17-year-old kid from a messed up family who's got all this baggage and all this stuff going on within his life. He's going to use them to literally save the world. And it's more than that. It's way more than just feeding people, which we'll find out later on in a few weeks. But it's, it's, it impacts us here today, where God offers us to be saved today. That we can have a relationship with our Creator today because of God using Joseph 4,000 years ago. Now, I don't know you, a lot of you. I don't, I don't know your family I don't know what type of family that you came from. I don't know what your family has done to you. And maybe for you, you think back on your childhood. Maybe you think back to the time when you were 17 years old, just like Joseph in this case. And uh, you think about how you grew up. And for you, it's just like terrible memories where you're just like, I don't know. Like, like I don't want to even think about that stuff. I had all this stuff going on. I hated it. I hated it. Or maybe for you, it's just that one thing that happened that one time when you were growing up that, that you cannot shake it off. You don't know what to do about it. You don't know how to get past it. But it's just, you think about it, and it's just there, and you remember. And, and it's still, if you're honest with yourself totally, it still affects you to this day. Or maybe you're having problems with your family right now, like currently. Like that you're in the middle of it. Maybe you're having problems with your kids. You don't know what to do. You don't even know how to help them because all this stuff is just going on and, and you don't know what to do with them. Or maybe you're having 
problems with your, with your parents and you don't know how to, how to fix that relationship because you guys just don't see eye to eye. Or maybe it's with your, with your siblings or maybe it's with your spouse. And you don't know how to fix your marriage and put that all back, to, to, back together. Maybe it's some, you know, maybe it's a relationship with, a, with different people in your extended family where it's just like, if you had to be honest with yourself, you're just like, yeah, our relationship is rocky at best. Or maybe you think your family's perfect. And if that's what you think, you're just blind to all the issues. See, we all have messed up dysfunctional families. It's the honest truth. Like, it's, it's just true. We all run into problems. But what we're going to see in the next coming weeks is your family and your past and everything that's happened within your life, all the terrible negative stuff that some of you guys are, have gone through and some of you guys are going through even right now, this very minute, it doesn't have to be your forever story. It doesn't have to define you. It doesn't have to choose which path you take. It doesn't have to choose where your life goes. God, the honest truth is God still wants to use you and he still wants you to be a part of his story and he still wants you to be a part of his plan. And I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm excited about to walk through the life of this 17-year-old kid through, for, the next, for the next few weeks as we get to watch God use him in a big, big way. And, um, and if you think that, you know, his family's dysfunctional and has all these issues up until this point, I mean, it gets way worse next week. So make sure you come back next week um, and really for the next eight weeks or so. Uh, let's pray. God, we um, thank you for this story. And the story, what we're going to find out is that Joseph did not have the perfect life by any means. He's not the perfect person. He didn't have the perfect family. He's not going to have the perfect circumstances. In fact, he's going to go through a whole bunch of terrible stuff. But God, you use him. And he used him to do things that not even Joseph would have ever imagined. His dad would never have imagined, or his brothers, or his mom, or anybody. And what's crazy about it, God, is it impacts us even sitting in these seats here today. And God, we thank you so much for saving us and giving us the opportunity to have a relationship with you. And part of the way you did that and part of that story, Joseph plays a key role. And we thank you for giving us this story. Lord, we thank you for all this. Ask us to have a great rest of the week, Lord, and to focus on you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.